Before the Rings of Power, there were the Silmarils. Before Sauron, there was his master Morgoth. Before Aragorn and Arwen, there was Beren and Luthien. Join us as we explore Tolkien and all the ages of Middle-earth with your hosts from TheOneRing.com, Jonathan Watson and Michael Grumbine. Hey, I, I gotta admit, I'm a little sad. You're Just sad? Little, I'm a little sad. Okay. Um, I, I posted a video about the Rings of Power on YouTube the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess by this point, it'll be like a week old by the time you guys get this podcast. And in the first 36 hours, it had like 15,000 views. And I'm like, come on, people. Like we're diving deep into Tolkien here, and the only crap, the only things that people watch are rings. We hate rings of power, and these rumors suck. That's that's it. Where are the so anyway? So first of all, you guys who are listening, I appreciate you and the depth that we're going to jump into here because it is so much more exciting than reading the rings of power. But I feel like doing those rings of power videos, it's kind of like the gateway drug. If we can get them in, get them subscribed, and then maybe they'll start listening to some of the deep things of Tolkien that are way worth talking about way much more worth talking about than um rings of power rumors that half of them might prove false but are sure fun look, to look at and see look man you, we we have an entertainment culture so everyone's going to tune in for the uh the clickbait stuff um i don't do that i don't do this show for that reason i do it because i love talking <laughs> about the real stuff but uh you know yeah i yeah. i enjoyed your video so good job on it oh, well, my thanks. real my question for today though is Jonathan Watson, are you Team C or Team Tree? Which one are you? Oh, I was like the letter C. Oh. <laughs> I uh, I'm 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 a Steelers fan. See that there? So that's why I wore this. I'm Sorry. Team Steel. Uh, <laughs> that wasn't in the book, man. Uh, all right. So um, before we jump in, I want to say thank you to our latest sponsor, Rich. Uh, he's one of our four sponsors that go above and beyond to support our podcast, Exploring Tolkien. Uh, we have a lot of other regular members at $4 a month. First month is free to get your extended podcast and access to all the hidden channels in Discord. Oh, I thought you were making a comment about his um, economic status. It was just like some guy. You have to be rich to... Oh, yeah. I know. These, these Money is no object to our supporters, <laughs> Adam, Lynn, and Rich. They are... They are... Um, dragons and a horde of... No, I don't know that. I'm there. They're just the people who we uh, appreciate and who get their name up here because of that. But first of all, but mostly you can, they don't get anything special other than that. So for $4 a month, you can just go, we can get to ask access to our hidden discord. Um, or if you're a freeloader, you can click the discord link below the invite and become get access to a limited set of all the different channels that we have there. Uh, and if you, uh, you'll get the extended podcast, which this week we're going to talk about uh, a few questions about Aldarion and Arendis and about how he's the Lord of the ships and about, um, why is Erendis's ship battered when he is l- coming up the coast of, of Middle Earth and back to Numenor? What oh, is there a reason for that? We can talk about that. Uh, <laughs> and then AJ wants us to talk about whether Haldarian and Erendis were actually compatible. So uh, we'll 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 sit down on the uh, psychologist's couch and my, my teenage daughter has something to say bit. about that. Oh, are you going to bring her on? That'd be great. An extended podcast. <laughs> I can ask you. I'm just. We should do that at one at one of our podcasts here. <laughs> and hey, for all, and for all you people who are gonna um, who, are, who are watching because we put up this video and it got like fifteen times more views than our other videos did, or at this point maybe even more. Um, we're gonna be talking about a couple of the rumors, maybe the most uh, out there, the most uh, unbelievable rumors that came out. 
uh, in uh, this Rings of Power season two. Right, we're we're Monty Python fans, so we're going to talk about the most flying circus of the rumors that that are out there. Uh, we're gonna, we're going to compare um, Melkor to perhaps the uh, the rabbit that guards the cave to the what is it the side of the holy hand grenade? Is that what what's there? I don't remember. Anyway, it's been a while since I've watched Holy Grail. It's been a long while. Anyway, $4 a month. First month is free. Go to thewondering.com slash member. Thank you, everybody. We are going to jump into sec section two of Aldarion and Erendis. Uh, we're ending up at the end of the betrothal up to the point where it's written, but alone among the people, the mariners of the Guild Adventures were not well content. So that's the point of where we're going up to. Um, and uh, let's jump right in. So in order to kind of get a lay of the land, I'm going to go through all the years and how long this section actually is because... It's not like the Rings of Power. <laughs> I can bring that up so easily. Where it just compresses everything down from like 1,000, 1,500 years into a small span of a few months, apparently. Here, even in just this section, we're essentially going over 58 years Ooh, of time. Nice. Yeah. So in the year 800, which is right where we start, but when nigh on 800 years, that's the, the section that we begin at today. Yep. Um, that's when he was, uh, Aldarion was proclaimed the king's heir. He met Erendis there, who I believe was 20, I want to say 29, I think. Um, oh, I didn't notice that it said what her age was. Well, Maybe. I didn't. I, I, I looked this all up and I try to lay oh, it all out. Okay. So I, she was born in 29 years. Anyway, um, and so then he meets her and he spends six years planting forests, pretty much. That's kind of mm -hmm. what happens. And uh, spends time wooing her, talking to her. Uh, getting to know her a little bit better, but not really. Not well. Uh, the real wooing comes later. He's sort of just he needs he needs the forest for the boats. So then, in year eight oh six, he goes to the sea for seven years. Does that comes back? He spends about three years in Numenor with his mother, the matchmaker. Now trying to get him and Erendis together. This is now the year eight, uh, and then uh, this is now the year eight thirteen. Um, and then in eight sixteen, he has his first five year voyage with the Paloran, which is the the greater ship that he built than the Numeramar. I think that's Numeramar. Yep. That's a hard third, to pronounce. That's a lot of the third, third named ship. We have um we yes. have three named ships so far. The houseboat, um, the, the Numorar, um, the houseboat, oh, which I forget, and and the uh, Ambar, was that it? Ambar. Yeah, Ambar. Right? Yeah. Um and then uh he had he sails for five years with the Palarn for uh from eight sixteen to eight twenty twenty. And then he's home for a few years and then he sails more and uh for five five more years he builds the seven ships and he goes out and then he comes back five years later with two more ships that he built at Vinyalande. All right, so now we're at year eight twenty-nine. He's pissed now because his dad rips the title of Lord of the Ships from him. And and so he's there for less than a year and he goes out, and at this point he and Arendis like he's like, wait for me. We have a little bit of falling out, maybe, but he's gone for 14 years. 14 years. Um, he comes back, and we'll talk about this part. This is now the betrothal process. 15 years after he comes back, they finally get engaged. And we're not gonna get to this part, but then 12 years after they get engaged, they get married. I mean, we're talking 70 years from the time they meet to the time they get married. So if you like if we think we have long engagements here. You know, if you're like, oh, I was engaged for three years. Like, oh, no, no, no. They were engaged for 15. I know, 12 years, 12 years. But it took them 27 years from the time coming back where they were talking about engagement in order to like get to know each other again and like maybe get married. And he gave her the, 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 the jewel and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, so this is a long period of time. And I, and I guess that's because Aaron just lives to be like 210 or so. And I think Aldarian is 400, a little less than 400 is when he dies. So there's definitely an age difference for them. So even when they get married, he's 170 and she's 99. Um, 
<sighs> okay. I, th- nice recap. Thank you. For, I, it took me a little bit of time to put that together to make sure we got it all right because it, reading through it, you don't really understand the time frame. You think that like, oh, they were having a little bit of a lover's tiff and then they got back together after a little time apart. No, no, no. They were gone apart for like 17 years or 21 years or th- you know things like that really right. cause a distance of separation, not just in space, but also a lot of time. Um, all right. So what is it, w- w- hmm. when we start with uh, him being named king, and uh, it's at this point, like one, he's named Lord of the Ships, which seems like a kind of a dangerous thing to do, uh, considering that um, his dad wasn't too happy about him sailing and loving the sea so much. Uh, but it's at this point that he meets Erendis. And we learn that Erendis is from the House of Beor. And then we learn that Erendis is essentially uh, descended from the aunt of Morwen. The aunt of Morwen? The aunt, I think it was the aunt of Morwen. Aunt of Morwen, yes. Uh, who is, of course, the mother of Turin Turinbar. So if you, you think, where does this all this sorrow come from? Well, now we know the line <laughs> that they came from is the line of Turin. So perhaps that's why we have all this that kind tale. of... Yes. Um, yeah, it's it's genetic. There is nothing but tragedy in that line. So when they meet, like it's a very long process for their relationship. It doesn't start off like like he finds her attractive, but it's really his mother who starts pushing him into this a little bit. I would say, um, she, you know, right. she she asks him, "Must you depart again, Eldarion, my son? Is there nothing, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, that will hold you in the fairest of all mortal lands?" Um, Yep, a very long time. I feel like Tolkien is kind of teaching us a lesson here about, you know, he's trying to give us a sense a little bit of what it would be like to live in a society of people that live hundreds of years. They're, 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 I mean, in a way, it's funny because elves are, of course, longer lived than Numenorians, but, but with the elves, he's very casual about it, and we don't really follow their, their a single elven character for, um, through the years for for long, we don't we don't see the ups and downs of their character, with the ex- exception perhaps of someone like you know Fingolfin or mm-hmm. or um, you know um, the or Fenor kind of, um, but but there isn't the sense like the interpersonal life. He, this is a very personal story. In fact, this story is so strange. I was trying to pin it down when I was reading it again this time. It's like what is there's a lot of odd things with this story, but one of the odd things is. There are basically no characters other than um, Aldarion and Arendis and their in-laws. <laughs> <laughs> the in-laws. It's that's, the in-laws. It. <laughs> that's it. I mean, like their the their father, their mother, um, not even the father of Arendis. Just I don't think. Just no. their mother, and then the father and mother of of Aldarion, and then his right. grandparents. Uh, I think her father. Mentioned. Yeah, her father's in it very briefly. Um, yeah, and yeah. so his. You know, and then uh, you know, Balandu uh, in the first um, reading that we did, the first four pages, then he dies. So yeah. there's there's really, I mean, they don't even tell us. They, you know, Aldarion, for example, is this great leader of men, and they don't even tell us the names of anybody that's that he's the leader of. There's nobody. This is not a political story in a certain sense, which was funny because Aldarion is, of course, the heir to the king. Um, so in a way, it's a political story, but the theme of this story and the tenor of the story is not political at all, except that there's these duties that come with, with his, his line. Um, but besides that, it's not political in the sense that, you know, there's all these characters and machinations. It's a very personal story. And um, in fact, it's so personal that 
it's almost feels like Tolkien even he even makes a character of the sea itself. Like the sea becomes a character, literally. Like you know, Arendis um, develops this this um, you know hate. Uh, I started to say love hate love. She loves Aldarion and hates the sea, and she she mm -hmm. personalizes the sea. Um, and you know, sometimes she she equates it with Weenan, but but she personalizes the sea as a you know. There's a there's a passage um, which was very powerful when she sort of realizes that that's going to be the stumbling block between them and their in their um, in their marriage or in their potential relationship at that point because they're not even betrothed, uh, but. Um, uh, it says, and this is this is when Arendis and Aldarian um, have met after long years apart, and Aldarian doesn't even recognize her at first. He just sees this woman with dark hair and this and a green cloak and a, with a jewel clasp, and then he recognizes it as Arendis. And um, so he, it's it, it, they have a small discussion, and then it says um, of Arendis, it says her love for him was not lessened, nor did she retreat out of guile, but she feared now in her heart. That in the war between herself and the sea, capital S, for the keeping of Aldarion, she would not conquer. Never would Arendis take less, that she might uh, not lose all. And fearing the sea and begrudging to all ships the felling of the trees which she loved, she determined that she must utterly defeat the sea and the ships, or else be herself defeated utterly. So this whole budding love that she has for Aldarion becomes this very martial contest in her head where it's hmm. her her and the trees on one side versus the sea and um Aldarian and the ships on the other and and who's going to win out for her love for the for, for the love of Aldarian rather um is it going to be the ships in the sea or is it going to be her or the trees and it, it's a very it's very interesting and you know Aldarian is is shown to us very early on as a man with tremendous pride but it turns out Arendis also has a very tremendous pride. Uh, the, the amount of times that they both decide individually in the story to not do something because it's expected of them to do it, or because somebody else, you know, especially their parents, want them to do it, or you know, the expectation is there, is is numerous. I mean, there there are numerous times when that happens over and over again. Um, pride is the pride in their own heart, but for Arendis, there's also this battle between her and the sea, and it is the classic. Like sailors' heart situations, Tolkien's written a love story yeah. about a love tragedy about a sailor and his and, and his love and and, their, and the, the split love between the serving of two masters, perhaps as Saint Paul would say. It's not without a warning either that she's told that um, you know this might this this martial or this um, military almost approach right. She is at war with the sea. Uh, it's her mother, Nuneth. That says mm -hmm. to her, a woman must share her husband's love with his work in the fire of his spirit or make him a thing not lovable. And it makes me wonder mm. from the very beginning, how much did she really love Aldarian? We like we, we heard Aldarian was very much enamored of Arendis, but it doesn't seem to me like she loved him for who he was. She loved <laughs> she loved him for who he could be, which might be the king. Which might be something that is an that she's aspiring to be to to be with, um, but she she's at war with the sea because the sea took her from him. Not because necessarily she hates just the sea, and that's where she always was. But in those you know those those fifty three 
58 years from the time they met to the time they got engaged, he was at sea at least as much as he was at home, I think. I didn't count, I didn't add all that up, but it was a lot. And so his time was split. And so if somebody's telling her, you've got to love his work, that means you've got to love him being at sea. And she's like, I'm never going to do that because they're taking me away from him and they're taking my life away because I committed to it. So I, how much did she really love him? Uh, I, I don't know. It seems like it's, it's I don't know, uh, you've heard the phrase hurt people, hurt people. These seem like both hurt people who are hurting each other all the time uh, because they, they don't know what else to do. Like uh, Aldarian has felt hurt from his father and his father telling him not to do this. And the thing that's in his heart is being ripped out all the time. And then Arendus, uh, is you know he's got now the the opposing magnetic forces they're both in there and they're pushing each other apart mm. the sea and Erendis and the sea and Erendis and and he can't ever 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 bring them together and so I, I I wonder like what what is that love real I mean I guess this is going to the AJ's question that we're going to be going into even more into in our uh, extended podcast is like how much do they really love each other what 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 is this born of and if, like this is like you said it's such a personal tale there's so much uh there are political things like you know happening around it um that i would love to see if we would have kept writing uh <laughs> but it is unfinished so you know there's that um but the 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 personal aspect of this is um it's just it is depressing but it it's almost, uh, it's got to be biographical. I feel like there's something, he knew this so well. He wrote this so well and so deeply And those things that are said about uh, uh, that conversation with them about where, where uh, Aaron says to him, uh, I will not share my husband with a lady, Uinen. And he says, that is a twisted saying. I might as well say that I would not share my wife with Lord Orme of the forest because she loves trees that go wild. Indeed, you would not, said Aaron for you would fell any wood as a gift to Uinen. So they have these, like this bantering. It seems like it's almost autobiographical. And so I don't know, like I'm, I've always wondered, like, look at this, like, <laughs> is there, like he was so deep into Middle Earth that he spent hours and months and, and years writing these stories was it at the expense of his relationship with his wife? And was she always something that like, I, I don't know. So I, I this totally 100% has nothing to do with reality. I don't have any actual factual basis behind it, but this kind of relationship, right? I, I don't, I don't really understand it because I've, I've never been there, but I see hints of like feeling things like that. Like, you know, I like my time is precious to me and I want to do the things that I want to do, but I have commitments to others. Anyway, this is a whole lot to say, like, what was their love really like? Like, what, what was it that drew them to each other? I don't know if you've got an answer, but I, I don't. I don't. What, what's What's interesting is it does seem to play into the love striking you, you know, the, like coming upon sudden beauty and the beauty arresting you and captivating you. Yeah, I'm going to draw okay. some parallels here. So we see this um, with one of our original elves um and mm. his mm. falling in mm. love with a meyer a certain meyer back in the silmarillion mm. he comes mm. upon her in the woods and he is captivated and so captivated that he stands staring at her for many years because he's an elf that's what they do but right. <laughs> or apparently that's what they do but there's there's this sudden beauty that captivates baron and luthien same thing by the way i'd like to point out luthien same eye color same hair color as arendis dark mm. hair gray eyes that's a good point. So, and then at the times when you know when when um, he's he's attracted to her, 
you know, Aldarin is attracted to Arendis, but it isn't until he comes upon her suddenly in the woods with this um, diamond that he gave her, um, holding the cloak, to, this green cloak, and he's arrested by her beauty and then realize he's he first loves her beauty and then realizes who she is and then, you know, uh, um, sort of rekindles that that potential love that, that had started many years ago. And so, and Arendis, um, you know, she is fighting against it. And then he has um, the most hilarious pickup line ever. And then she just sort of gives in and gets betrothed to him. Um, so, so did you catch that? It was, it was one of my favorites. Um, I, had, I made a note. I'm going to have to find it here. But um, he basically... He, there's it's like it's everything is momentary like the turn they, they have a certain character and the character is to resist the love and to love other things although they're they're both attracted to each other and then at key pivotal moments the turn happens and they fall for each other and they're drawn mm -hmm. into the beauty the, there, there's this moment um now now it's more so with him more explicit with him so she says and and this is actually i wanted to talk about this the topic mm -hmm. that they have with you on a, it's a different subject. So we'll, we'll, so they talk about looking at what she calls Yozayan, which is the, these this middle country and these meadows and lands and the inner inner parts of Numenor, which she loves dearly. And she's asking him if he loves it. And he says, I do love it indeed, though I think that you doubt it. For I th think also of what it might may be in time to come and the hope and splendor of its people. And I believe that such a gift should not lie idle in a horde and then she comes up and she has a response which i'll get to later but after that she because she says i do doubt it basically i don't i don't think that you'd really do love this land um and then then taking suddenly the jewel from her throat this is the one thing that she prizes that he's given her this diamond mm -hmm. brought back from from middle earth and she says would you have me trade this to buy me other goods that i desire um no, said he, but you do not lock it in hoard. Yet I think you set it too high, for it is dimmed by the light of your eyes. No, so he's basically said he's basically saying, you know, your your the light of your eyes is so beautiful that it dims even the beauty of this great gem. Um, and then he kissed her on the eyes, and in that moment she put aside fear and accepted him, and their troth was plighted upon the steep path of the mental tarma. So so there's she's been resisting 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 and he gets this you know this the, the Numenorean pickup line apparently this is the thing you do you compliment the light of a person's eyes i mean it's an elvish thing to do right that's the, mm -hmm. yeah um and and he and then he kisses her eyes and then that's it she she it snaps and she gives in to her love and they become betrothed which by the way um for those people i know many of our viewers already know this but betrothal in this kind of society amongst the elves and clearly amongst the Numenorians and in medieval um, society in, in our world, um, in, in the actual world, <laughs> um, betrothal was basically a, a, a promise to marriage. It was, you, you were, you were actually bound by betrothal. It wasn't just mm -hmm. like, yeah, we're engaged. The equivalent nowadays is engagement. Right. But, but it was way more serious than we take engagement now. Um, yeah. And so, so, uh, so betrothal was a kind of binding. So anyway, I think that there are these, for Tolkien, when it comes to love, there's these moments of beauty where something draws you, something hits you. Like it happens to Aldarion even later on with the sea. The sea, you know, 
I was talking about how um, Arendis views the sea as her rival, like a womanly rival, basically, to all, the heart, the love of Aldarion. And there comes a moment when Tolkien even describes it that way. Aldarion himself is smitten with his love of the sea, like it's a, a person. And he, and he, you know, he. Um, this is after they're betrothed, but before they're married. And he, um, the, he, he's, he's, he's absolutely kind of destroyed, and he can't think of anything else. Basically, from then on out. And then she, um, she finally, uh, uh, Arendis finally lets him go, and he goes for six years. And there is amongst some very interesting stuff. But anyway, we're, we're not going to talk about that tonight. Um, but uh, but essentially, this 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 is a love story where even the the ocean has the power to inspire love. Um, and so that, and I think that's a I think it's a a real like Tolkien is doing this on purpose. He's showing us this sort of um, dramatic love story, but also love of the world too. For, so, because for Tolkien, it isn't like if you listen to songs nowadays uh, for the last fifty years, all you hear about is romantic love from for a person and a person. And for Tolkien, mm -hmm. what's interesting is there is this draw that the, that nature can have upon a person too, and you see that sometimes with sailors. I see that, you know, my daughter is going to school at this remote school in Wyoming, which essentially is like a, a, a like half bachelor degree, half cowboy training. And, and the, the, I mean, it's like scenes from Yellowstone all the time in their, wow. at, at, around their college. And, um, and it's, but there are people that live there and, and my daughter is probably just gonna be there for the four years, but there are people that live there. They give their life. They, they have this abiding love of the, of the land which mm -hmm. is so deep and powerful. And I think we've kind of lost that a little bit in our culture or understanding. And I think Tolkien's tapping into that here with um, Aldarion and Arendis. So sorry for, for the long monologue. I just, I wanted to sort of get out my theory about what kind of love Tolkien is showing us. And I think it says that the, the fire, right? So we talk about the fire of, you know, Fanor, right? He had a fire and he, he wanted mm -hmm. to create and uh, he burned True. up so brightly. And, and it was, that was also a love of the land in the sense like it was a love of creation. And so there are these characters that have such a, I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for is. It, they, they are so distinctly passionate about a certain thing. Fanor, yes. Aldarion, um, even Thingol with the Nalgalamir, right? When things come up, like the, there, there is a passion for it. And those those passions they drive like I look at it as these are these are generally damaged people in in a sense like because they can't you cannot have a passion that is this uh, this consuming without hurting the people around you but they're also the ones that drive the world forward so even in our society we look at the the crazy people like uh, even like recently like Elon Musk right he's clearly like he's he's very singularly focused. But it's at the expense of sure. a lot of other stuff, uh, yeah. his relationships and um, yeah, particularly which is kind of him. you know classic for for a guy right. like him. They they they're so they have such potential and they're so driven in their genius for the yeah. thing that they're good at that that other that their relationships their human relationships fall to, to the wayside. What I find fascinating I, I, about this, and I'm going to say very generally about the whole story, I'm not we're not going to get into detail until perhaps the end episode. But those people, like the Elon Musk, I like that you brought it up, 
Aldarian is like an Elon Musk in that way. Like his, mm -hmm. his, um, and we see this even a little bit in this current reading that we're reading because apparently for on an island na um, nation, which, which is so uh, the woods and the, the forests are so important to, and in the previous chapter before this, where it's telling us about Numenor, where Tolkien's yeah. telling us about Numenor, it talks about, you know, the seven types of trees that came from the West that the elves gave to the Numenorians. Um, and, you know, the trees are almost semi-sacred to them, uh, and they're tr highly treasured. But apparently Aldarian's the only one that knows how to take care of and tend the forest because he keeps coming back from these voyages and, ev and everything's kind of a ruin and these right. people that supposedly love the trees. And, you know, he's criticized for only loving the trees because they can make him ships, but he's really good at making the forest grow and, and thrive. Um, yeah. which is funny because like I'm I'm a I come from a family of hunters and it was always funny to me that some of the people that you know if you if you watched Bambi which everyone from our generation has you know hunters are the bad guys right because right. they kill the they kill the animals but in the real world hunt the the hunters and the the care and funding they put into preserving the wilderness so that yes they can hunt but also because they love the wilderness is such that that's the that's the main reason why the national parks and forests receive so much, you know, a care. Aside from the public funding, you know, the private funding is it, they blow away all the green societies and Sierra clubs of right. the world in terms of their donations, and and what they do to to preserve. So Arat, uh, Aldarian reminds me of that. He's like he wants the forest because he loves the ships that can come from them, but I think he also loves the forests. Um, and he's better at it tending them, and and so and that's just his side job is tending the forest, and he and he and he makes them thrive on Numenor. His main job, as we will find out, like he brings tremendous glory and influence to the Numenorean people over his life, um, and he makes them into the powerhouse that they are essentially, or sets them on that path. And so um, that's the maritime powerhouse, is what I mean. Um, and so. You have that he's a kind of Elon Musk in that sense, and that he's yeah. this genius who is driven and at the expense of this drive that he has, his relationships are are he's he sucks at relationships. Yeah. Um and, and for a long time he was surrounded by a bunch of yes men. That's right. The, the Guild of Ventures, right? There, there's like <laughs> he's their leader. Yes. And or as like, I am always joking joking in the bit in the background, the uh <laughs> Guild of it because it's like Guild of Adventurers, and of course that's yeah. what you know in Dungeons and Dragons, which is based on Tolkien's world, that's what you're like you you're everyone's an adventurer. Um if if, if you play Dungeons and Dragons, and so the Guild of Ventures is just the yeah, the murder hobos of of Middle Earth, um, which they're they're a bunch of ne'er do wells. I mean, like it's funny because they're 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 a parallel to the age of um, exploration in our world, and they're always wanting to go out and explore. But but they're just a force for malcontent and and um, and erosion of the Numenorean people um, when they're when when they're uh, back at at home. So I don't know, not a good effect. They don't have a good uh, influence on on their captain either. He's he is so discontent not doing anything, right? That's another thing that I, I look at in here. And so it's sort of like, you know, when you get married, it's not like you don't become one person to spend all the time with them. You, you're still a, a singular person and you want to, you, you want, you want to still be yourself and do the things that you love, but yet now you can spend other time and do it together. If you're with a person who says, 
where are you going? I won't be here with me. Well, don't leave me. Come here. Like, come on, don't leave me. And then they fight. And then she's like, get away. And then she's gone. And he's like, no, 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 come back to me. I don't, I don't want you to leave me. So, <laughs> I don't, I, so by him just saying like, I'm going to stay here with you in, what is it? In Marier, is that right? The uh, Is that the the location? I'm going to stay with you, Erendis, and, and we're going to have a good, uh, like, well, let's just get to know each other better here. And he has nothing else to do. That drives him crazy. However, that being said, I think the most important line for me that came out of this story is when he said, but uh, and, uh, this is near the end, Tolkien writes, but Aldarion wooed Erendist in earnest. And whenever she, and where, wherever she would go, he neglected the havens and the shipyards and all the concerns of the guild adventurers, felling no trees, but setting himself to their planting. And he found more contentment in those days than in of any others of his life, though he did not know it until he looked back long after when old age was upon him. And I was like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like you, you have passions, you have pursuits and like, I'm going to go and I'm going to do this, but that at the expense of what? Like if you yep. would have sat still and those moments of contentment, which you didn't realize you were having. Yep. If, if you would have sat in that a little bit longer, you might have found more meaning in your life. You might have found more relationship in your life right? maybe it's, maybe but i i see when i heard that passage i really honed in on the word contentment like he did you're absolutely right so tolkien is telling us clearly he was more content at doing you know um basically showing he was, that he could that he could love what his love loved mm -hmm. um, um he was more content doing that than at any other time in his life but that doesn't change the irresistible pull. Contentment is not all there is to life. And so, in other words, he's here for a purpose. And so what's interesting to me is, is, yeah, the ultimate question is, is, in my mind, is with Aldarion, Mm -hmm. This longing for the sea and for the, the, the expansion of his people's influence, their, their, um, the part that they played in the history of Middle Earth would not have been played, would, would have been unsuccessful uh, without, and I know, I know it ultimately ends in tragedy, but but even in the, the things that they do that, that are great, you know, like the only reason Aragorn exists is because Aldarion um, way back when, and a lot of other people, things happen, and a lot of other people are the reason he exists too, but Aldar, Aldarion's right. part to play and in, in making um, Numenor what it was is a thing which is good, um, and so his his desire um, for the ocean can't be wholly bad. It has to. There has to be some purpose to it. So I don't doubt that there, he has great contentment and looks upon these times with Arendis as the greatest of a contentment. But I don't think a soul like Aldarians is happy with contentment only. I think it. I think that there's. A striving that needs to that it needs to mm -hmm. accomplish. There are things that need to be done to be to be kind of gauche about it. Um, that that he um, that he was put there to do. And so I am going to take the tact that actually, even in his, I'm not saying that he was virtuous in in all things related to this and in ba the balancing that work life balance. He didn't have it. Um, <laughs> But but so he wasn't virtuous in that regard. But the very the call of the ocean upon him was not a bad thing. Um, it was it was he failed to balance. Sure, it, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that. Um, 
you should even pursue contentment because if you were to pursue contentment with the fire that you that that, that Aldarion pursued the sea, mm-hmm. uh, that would also end in uh, in some sort of a disaster. Whatever that that ends up taking, whether it's that like you're sitting on your butt all yeah. the time, or you're again you're only focused on the one thing that makes you feel good, uh, and uh, you're you're at the, you're at the you're you're spending time with only a couple of people at the expense of everyone else because you find more contentment with that, and then yep. you realize you need, oh, that you one that was good. Deal. You, so, you need to strive, so, and he <clears> strives. He strives, but he does it, uh, and 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 this is we can't really say more until we jump into more, uh, you know, what happens with his family at this point and his daughter. Right, um, right. we're getting beyond the betrothal. At this yes, point. but but it it is when you look back, like it, again, the Elon Musk characters, like Steve Jobs, he regretted in his uh, in his biography like that how much time he spent away from his kids and so mm-hmm. he spent a lot more time with his kids once he got sick and he realized oh, i'm gonna go back the contentment he doesn't mean he stopped doing his job just means that i'm gonna value these things like the I, I'm, I'm gonna uh, on the scales that have been dealt to me where i love to see so much and it's hard for me to do anything i'm going to i'm gonna you know put my thumb on that scale a little bit so that I can spend a little more time with my family. I'm going to have to think about it harder. Right. And everybody, you know, there are things we have to deal with, right? It's all, I am a, I'm an introverted person. I love doing things. I love creating things by myself. I love spending time by myself. It is harder for me to say, let's go out and hang out with a bunch of people because it's not, it's, it's not my, it's not where I get my energy from. Right. So I know that I have to be better at that. And so it's me putting my, my thumb on that, that sort of like the, that nature thing that was dealt to me of like, I, I got, I've got to be the one to call sometimes the people to meet them. If I don't, nothing's going to happen. Right. Exactly. I, I know exactly what you mean. You know, in my own life, there've been plenty of examples, but one of them, which is sort of antithetical to who I am as a, with my natural inclinations was when I was younger and I learned to dance and I'm talking about like ballroom dancing. So my wife and I, we, 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 um, from when we were in college and stuff, we learned how to ball, but learning how to ballroom dance, learning how to do all and, and swing of, ver- it was the nineties. So it was the return the Renaissance of, of uh, big band and swing and everything. Um, yeah. But, but um, so it was a great time, but it was terrible. It was, it was every time I went out to learn to dance, it was horrible for me mm-hmm. at first, but then I got to the point where, but it was good for me in my relationship with my girlfriend at that point. But, um, and, and it was also good for me, socially and and to to would you say you were wooing your wife in earnest i was indeed (laughs) wooing my wife um in in earnest in part in in earnest yeah it it really took earnest with with regard to dancing and myself but but you know eventually we got we got pretty good and and it was it was it was fun at that point and it was it was exciting and i enjoyed doing it but I had to get past it, but so mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of Aristotle, you know, all things in moderation, right? So that's, mm-hmm. that's the key to virtue and excellence is uh, Arend- Aldarian has this, tre- this ter- tremendous yearning in his heart for the ocean. And he's also very content with the love, the love of his life in the, in the pastoral setting in the middle of Numenor, right? In the, in amongst, mm-hmm. amongst the woods. So there, there was a balance that he was supposed to strike there. He failed to do so, as the story goes on, um, to strike the balance. He leaned far too heavily on one side of the scale, but, yeah. but, but it wasn't as if that was only his a weakness of his. It was actually, it was not just a weakness. He made Numenor a better place, even if you were a lover of the trees. He made Numenor a better place um, than you know because of his yeah. drive. So. Do you think there is any autobiographical notion to any of this? Because it seems so, I, I mentioned a little bit earlier, and it's another thing I just wanted to bring up. It, it seems so particular in that yeah. relationship and in how, in how um, 
the C is uh, Erendis Foe, right? Is she hates the C. Do not call me, what is it? Uinaniel. Do not call me a daughter of Uinan. Uinaniel, yeah. Yeah. And so I wonder if there's something, either he knew somebody or something like that, because it's so it's so well-written, these two characters. Like you said, it's character piece. And I just... Like I feel like he had to know a little bit about this when he was writing this, and maybe it was his. You know, this was his passion, Middle Earth. I mean, he he create he is the only author, uh, ever that has created th- that we have this much information about a comp- entirely made up world. Certainly, it was um, inspired by the things that he already knew. We all are building upon the blocks of life that we have led so far, and he he did that when he wrote this. But this was like, there's so much that was unpublished. And when you say, well, well he published uh, The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. But there are 11, 12, 12 histories of Middle Earth. There's the unfinished, right? He did so much. And so I wonder like if there's a little bit of that in here, that, that autobiographical, like his passion was this. And perhaps he wondered, like he was looking back and like the contentment. I wish I had a little more time to spend in that contentment. Yeah, I, I think I mentioned it last week, but... Um, this whole theme, the first time I ran, encountered this whole theme of woman loving man who loves the ocean was from this old 1970s song, um, Brandy, called Brandy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's and, and from uh, the group called Looking Glass. And uh, it's just a typical hippie, early 70s, one hit wonder. And, but, you know, my my parents liked it. And so I, I listened, I, it was an oldie on the radio. Yeah. But, but um, it's about exactly this, except the difference is Brandy in the song is very passive and she's just kind of sad that the man that she loves loves the ocean as well and keeps going away. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, Arendis is not passive. She views the ocean as, as like a, an enemy. Um, she yeah. literally views it, uh, the ocean as an enemy and says so multiple times. So, so it's a, it's a, it's Tolkien's take on it. Um, and he's, He's a lot more. Um, he he gives a lot more. What's the, the modern term would be agency to the woman in this than 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 they did back in the seventies, perhaps. But the, the theme is a constant one. I mean, sailors are an odd profession, aren't they? You know, they they the world that human beings. I mean, we are land animals, and our culture is is on land, and, and ships are kind of this weird thing. And the people that spend their lives on ships. It's kind of an interesting, strange world to inhabit, and it takes a certain kind of soul. And mm-hmm. um, I guess if you fall in love with that kind of soul, and um, there's going to be this tension. Um, and I, I think it is autobiographical and to a certain extent, Jonathan. I think Tolkien definitely had the love of the ocean in that regard. He also has the love of the pastoral, like he has both in him. And he recognized he, he wrote the love of the, but this longing for the sea, he wrote it into the elves. Um, strongly, um, and he writes it into Eldarion yeah. here. So, yep, I think it's. Mm-hmm. I think there's there's got to be, and then of course there's also the fact that Arendis is strikingly similar to uh, Luthien, who's strikingly similar to his wife. His wife, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so there, maybe there's a do we know when he wrote this? When when these notes were were done? Good question. Um, I don't. I didn't look um, that up. I'm sure it was after Baron and Luthien because that was 1917. So right. this is perhaps. Oh yeah, this like is a, late, late, later this, on. A, a much, a much later, later version. I, I, there's one other quote, and, and maybe uh, I don't know if there's one more thing you want to talk about. <laughs> I just love this line, uh, and I, it strikes me as funny. Maybe not you, but uh, when uh, 
when he says you need to be king, Menaldor says to Aldar, uh, you know, you, you need to learn to rule. And Aldarin says, do I not study men all my days? I can lead and govern them as I will. Say rather, some men of like mind with yourself, answered the king. There are also women in Numenor, heirs fewer than men, and save your mother, whom indeed you can lead as you will. As you, what, do you, what do you know of them? He just called his, his son a mama's boy. Yeah, right. Uh, he's like whom indeed you can lead as you will and he's like you know as you will like good luck with that because i can't do much with her <laughs> I, I can't change her mind at all so you can lead her as you will but uh it didn't work for me and nobody else uh, yeah exactly but nobody You're, else yeah no he's pointing out he's he's pointing out yeah. aldarian's one-sidedness but what struck you about that just just the well it's just yeah it's just that uh that that he points out like you got to lead men and women now's the time right i like, like exactly don't forget about well, the women and he doesn't. He doesn't. No. He, he, he doesn't. He never leaves. Right. He never. He's not. He's he's never at home. He's not a good husband. He's yeah. Uh, his, he's just with his men at sea all the time. He gets really good at leaving. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And it gets heartbreaking as the story progresses, particularly for those of us who have children. And you wonder, what in the world? How can you even be like that? But I love these deep dives. It really gets you to know the characters and make these connections between, like you said, hadn't occurred to me, the the distinct similarities between Luthien and Erendis, uh, it, just in the way that they looked. Not really in how they 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 fell in love and the, the, how they helped their men, no. because that line, <laughs> that line, a woman must share her husband's love with his work and the fire of his spirit or make him a thing not lovable. I would say that Luthien shared her husband's love with his work. Because his work was to get that Silmaril, and boy, did she help out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, largely, that, I mean, like, you know, in the broad picture, Baron's, uh, the line of Baron's work was to oppose Morgoth, and Luthien definitely shared in that. But yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. the work to get her was to get that. She even helped him to win her. <laughs> I love it's the like, fact no. that we, the more we read, you see how nuanced Tolkien's um, characters are and his women. You know, I'm not saying yeah. that. Uh, look, if you push comes to shove, I will definitely say I think Tolkien does a better job writing men than he does writing women, which is no surprise because it turns out most men are better at writing male characters than female characters, and most women are better at writing female characters than male characters. And yeah, you know, I remember I remember Anne McCaffrey's books when I was reading them when I was a kid, and uh, all the Dragon Rider series. And I remember thinking after a certain point, and I was just a teenager, like, you know. Most of how these, even the male characters think in these books is is pretty feminine. <laughs> it's a funny, yeah, yeah. I I remember it like they were they were so concerned with emotions and relationships, um, you know, and dwelling on them that I was just you know, I don't think that way. Um, I don't yeah. it's not that I don't have emotions. I just don't I don't spend my time dwelling on them. Um, but uh, not that no men do. But yeah, anyway. Guys, we're going to jump into our extended podcast. We're going to talk uh, about all those things we mentioned earlier. I'm not going to go over it again. You don't want to hear me. Uh, and we're going to take a look at a couple of these uh, rumors. If we have time, if not, maybe we'll save that for another episode. Uh, but we'll jump into there. See you guys next week. Go to the Discord link below in order to get into our freeloaders chat. But we That's still right. love you, right, Michael? We do. Bye-bye, freeloaders. <laughs>